before the night before christmas and by christmas i mean the world cup final we are 36 hours away from knowing who the world champion is we have the final and the third place game set Ooh, third place game i know as we talked about on the last episode third place games are truly where our hearts are at um but we know that argentina or france will end up wearing the gold patch on their jerseys for the next four years and having their names etched into immortality. We know that Morocco or Croatia will win the third place game. But first, before we look at that matchup or those matchups, we will look at how those two teams or those four teams got to where they are. I am Nathan Strauss, joined uh, by a man who uh, needs no introduction. It is Caleb Rhodes, noted uh, Lionel Messi and Argentina supporter Caleb Rhodes. Yes, I think we know who I'm rooting for um, in the final. It is Argentina. Happy to be here. Yes, unfortunately, uh, you know, there were no surprises there. Uh, so let's get into it and let's start with the Argentina-Croatia semifinal because I think it was slightly more interesting than uh, than the other semifinal. It was also the one that occurred first, so I feel like we're giving it, um, you know, we're, we're doing it in chronological order again. I thought that Croatia would win this game 1-0 in extra time. Caleb thought that Argentina would win with Croatia scoring first. Caleb was much closer to being correct, as this one <laughs> was functionally over by halftime. Messi converted on a penalty after Julian Alvarez got basically... WWE body slammed by Dominic Lavakovic inside the box. There were some people who didn't think this was a penalty. I think that is absolutely absurd. Even though the ball had gone, you can't just rugby tackle a striker who's through on goal. Uh, and Messi scored the yeah. penalty somehow. Um, you know, seeming seemingly he has shaked his uh, his penalty uh, woes of the last twenty years um, before Julian Alvarez pick up the ball at midfield a few minutes later, ran 60 yards straight ahead, sort of bundled through a couple of defenders and scored. Uh, and 2-0 up at halftime against a team that created uh, some of the fewest chances in all of the World Cup. Uh, this game was pretty much put to bed. And eventually Alvarez got his second after Lionel Messi destroyed probably the best <laughs> young center back in this tournament in Yasko Guardiol, yeah. who did a really good job defending him. Messi just went deep into his bag. It was like watching old Chris Paul highlights because Messi just turned this man inside out and Alvarez had a tap in. And that, as they say, was that. So Caleb, Argentina onto the final. Uh, they dismantled a good defensive team in Croatia. Yeah, I, so I know we were both sort of wrong in our predictions about, you know, the the final scoreline, if not the result. Um but I think this game actually played out similarly to how we thought it would. You know, Croatia had 61% of the possession. They outpassed 
Argentina. They actually had more shots. Um, but Argentina playing, you know, a different formation. This this time they rolled out, you know, the 4-4-2 um, against Croatia was just able to create several, you know, high quality chances. They had nine shots total and seven on target. I agree. I think all the people that are saying that the, uh, you know, Lavakovic not getting close to the ball and then, you know, crushing Julian Alvarez isn't a penalty are just like way too far gone on the like, we must protect goalies situation. Cause like, if that's not a foul, I don't know what is like, he didn't play the ball and then he hit the man. Um, and I know that, you know, Julian Alvarez's little chip over the top was fairly light. Um, and you know, it wasn't pro- probably if he'd hit a little harder, it could have just gone in. Um, but I think he definitely could have run around Lavakovic in theory and got to the ball, um, and tapped it in. So definitely a penalty. Then we saw, you know, a different type of penalty than the two we saw Messi take in the previous game against the Netherlands. Um, him, you know, showing Harry Kane in some ways how it's done with just, uh, you know, howitzer of a shot into the top right corner. He said after the game um, that he actually was working with, um, you know, Emmy Martinez and Geronimo Rulli on figuring out, you know, the best way to score a penalty against Lavakovic, who of course has been, you know, pretty imperious in, you know, penalty shootouts um, and against penalties so far in this tournament. And then Julian Alvarez again, I think just showing um, that he's really, you know, stepped up when Lautaro Martinez is misfiring. And I think he's been a little underrated um, since his transfer to Manchester City uh, so far this season and has definitely played, you know, more of a squad player role um, as sort of a striker slash winger to, you know, Erling Holland at Manchester City. But after this tournament, you have to think that he will have, you know, A, a much higher profile. I imagine a lot of people might be transferring him in for their FPL teams. Um, but also, you know, probably should just be knocking on the door for for more starts and games. And then I guess from the Croatia side of things, um, you know, I think their their inability to just get that offense going was really their undoing. And I think once Brozovic went off injured, uh, it was kind of the end because the midfield is really what kept this team going. And I think, you know, once Modric got subbed off around, I think the 80th minute or so really to just get, I think a standing ovation and, you know, deep respect from both sets of fans, you knew uh, the game was done and and Argentina, I think very deservedly um, have won. And they've been a team that has only gotten better. I think in each game um, this tournament. Yeah. They've only conceded, uh, like I think around three expected goals this tournament, which is pretty impressive. Uh, and I think they're obviously going to need that type of defensive. I, I guess they'll need that de- defensive solidity against a France team who can pretty much score at will. Um, but yeah, I thought Alexis McAllister did really well. Uh, Alvarez is obviously the story of the day. And it's kind of ridiculous how, you know, in a, in a transfer in the span of six months, Man City not only picked up Erling Holland at one of the best value for money deals of all time, paying half of his market value, they also got Julian Alvarez, let him stay in Argentina, and then brought him over. And now they have two of the most promising players uh, at the striker position in the world, both of whom are well before their prime. So, uh, very ridiculous business there. Uh, again, Emmy Martinez is such a good tournament goalie 
And uh, shout out Nika Otamendi, who I think is going to have a very interesting legacy because in his prime with Man City, he was probably the best or second best ball playing center back for like this in the Premier League for like four years. Um, but obviously his sort of size limitations and the fact that he just wasn't super fast by that time he was past the age of 30 uh, means that he's now found a natural fit as many former top center backs do uh, playing in, in Portugal. But he's been really good this tournament. Uh, I do worry a little bit about Nahua Molina and Nico Tagliafico, if that's who Sampaoli, or rather Scaloni, decides to start at outside back, just because Molina's been really good uh, at getting forward. But obviously he won't be able to do that with Mbappe matched up on his flank. Otamendi and Giroud is a bit of a matchup as well from a size perspective. Um, but we can get to that uh, when we look at the preview uh, for the final. Shout out Croatia. They did pretty well. Once again, punching well above their weight. Uh, I don't think the future of this team is necessarily as bright as the last four years would suggest, just because obviously Modric is no spring chicken at the age of 37. And there doesn't seem to be uh, anyone ready-made, maybe Lover Meyer, who's going to immediately fill that role. But I anticipate that this team is going to still be amongst the better teams uh, in Europe, at the very least, going forward. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, even if Croatia aren't going to be, you know, probably making it this deep in a World Cup in, in four years, they are still going to be, you know, one of, at least one of the best, you know, pound for pound um, national teams, you know, in in the world. And then back back on the Argentina front too, I think, you know, Nico Tagliafico, who's de- definitely a player I've spent a lot of time talking about on this podcast, probably way more than, you know, he, he might deserve. But, you know, he stepped in for Acuna in this game who was suspended and I thought played you know, really, really well. And I don't know, you know, and maybe we'll get to this when we sort of preview and and prognosticate on the final. I don't know exactly what formation Argentina are going to trot out. I also don't know who, you know, the left wing back um, especially is going to be, given that, you know, Acuna will be back in contention for that final. But I thought at least on this game, in this game, you know, Tagliafico was, you know, very, very effective um, in that left back position. Yeah, I thought Pagliafico was really, really good. Um, I don't know about whether they go to like a back three or a back five against against France. I kind of liked the 4 4 2, if we're being honest. Um, but again, I think it's going to be really tricky for the midfield of Paredes, DePaul, and Fernandez to control or to dominate the midfield in the same way. Although, France, as far as their midfield goes, has a very interesting situation coming up too, um, or allegedly has a very interesting midfield situation right, coming up. Yeah. So we, I guess we'll know, you know, an hour and a half before kickoff on Sunday about how true that is. But yeah, deserved win for Argentina, who make their second final uh, in the last eight years. And uh, yeah, shout out Croatia as well. All in all, I think a very deserved result. On to the other semifinal, this one featuring uh, everyone's favorite plucky underdogs, Morocco, going up against their former colonizer. Well, yeah, their former colonizer in France. Uh, France, obviously heavy favorites in this game, and they scored 
first uh, with Theo Hernandez scoring kind of like a, I don't know, would you call it like a bicycle kick or like a, like a upside down volley? I don't really know. I would it describe was. it as a, like an acrobatic half volley. Yeah, that's fair. It was sort of like um, if you took the, uh, if you took like the, you know, the NBA logo, if you took the NBA logo and turned it like 150 degrees, uh, it's, something it's like more that. like the Bundesliga logo. Yeah, it was sort you of know, like it was, his side, but not vertical. It honestly looked like a bit of like a karate situation. Like he's like standing and he has like a high kick. He's leaned to his side, but he also jumped like a little bit. I, it, was, it was a very impressive feat of, you know, athleticism, um, if nothing else. And I think I, I'm not exactly sure exactly how it categorizes either. But it was a good goal in the fifth minute that definitely, you know, took a little bit of, you know, the air out of Morocco's sales. However, you know, Morocco, I think, really played the better game here. Um, they had the same amount of shots on target as France. They only had one fewer shot. They outpossessed them, you know, 62 to 38. And that's not, you know, possession is not how we thought Morocco were going to be. They outpassed them. They had better pass accuracy. Honestly, they created several good chances. There was that um, was bicycle, bicycle kick, kick from, from industry. Um, yeah, who, which was, was it, was it, did it just hit the post? Did Yuris get like a, a no, slight I think it touch hit on the it? Bar. I think it hit the bar or sorry, it hit the post and went out. It was actually El Yamik. It was a center back, not yeah. Industry. So I, I think that, you know, this result, France too, with uh, Colomwani coming off the bench and scoring a, a tap in after, you know, a great piece of, you know, technical dribbling from um, Mbappe you know, kind of flatters the French, who I think for the most part had a pretty off day. That was in part because of, you know, a, a virus that that has started to go through the team or is continuing to affect the team with Rabio, who's probably been their best player in midfield, missing out. Um, Fofana uh, comes in to sort of reunite that old Monaco partnership with Chouameni. Um, Uba Makano, I think, was also affected. And that's why we saw um, Kanate step in but all in all like this was not you know a vintage france and i think you know morocco really gave them you know a much tougher time i think than you know croatia gave argentina yeah i agree um and frankly you know morocco hadn't conceded a goal from open play uh this this tournament and it took them literally losing four of their five first choice defenders for that to happen Mazraoui went off injured. Saïs really struggled through injury again. Uh, there was a change that was... Well, he made. came off in the 21st minute, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, there was another change. You know, Aguered was initially listed in the starting lineup and then had to be replaced before kickoff. So this Morocco team, despite, you know, being very undermanned at the back and starting, you know, 23-year-old Ashraf Dari at center back and, you know, Jawad El-Yamik at that left center back, did did very very well um you know Buffal and Ziek were really good this tournament and Sofian Amrabat has certainly played himself and I think he will probably be the like world cup standout midfielder who earns a move to a big club a la Hamas in 2014 although obviously very different profile so shout out this Morocco team uh again they really could have scored they really could have equalized in this game and you know had it not been for Kola Mawani scoring on his first touch in the World Cup after a really nice run from Dem- uh, from uh, Mbappe rather set him up at the back post. 
uh, that sort of killed it off. And yeah, I mean, France certainly did not play their best game, even though, you know, they certainly created enough. They were just super happy to let Morocco possess the ball in the middle of the field. And then they just tried to break every time with, you know, the same four guys going forward. So it'll be really interesting to see who is fit for Sunday, because I think that's going to really heavily dictate what mentality France has going into this game. Because if they play the way they did against Morocco, sitting back and whatnot, like with all due respect to Morocco, Alvarez and Messi is much better than a Nessery, Ziyech and uh, Buffal combined. So it'll be very, very interesting. Just, just a little bit. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think there's a few ways to, you know, read this France performance, you know, going forward. One is that, you know, they were missing some of their starting players, and that obviously reduces the level. Two, they scored early. Um, and so I think you can be like, okay. The flip side is, you know, on a fairly off day against a Morocco team that has given you know, many large opponents, significant problems throughout this tournament. France were still able to score, you know, the two goals that they needed to go through, even though they only really needed one because they didn't concede any. And so that that is that is also scary in its own way. You know, even though they didn't play especially well, I think the fact that they can, and that's kind of been the story of their tournament. They're missing so many players even before this. Um, and yet... I don't think they've really hit, you know, the highest heights in this tournament. I'm not sure any of their performances um, at any stage have been like, wow, that's a performance of the tournament kind of um, game. You know, they, they beat Australia by a bunch in the first game, but they also conceded a sloppy early goal. But they're still in, you know, a World Cup final. Um, and so I think that is like a strange kind of, uh, you know, opposition to come up against if you're Argentina. Yeah, and it's almost, I mean, <laughs> I, I don't want to say it's like, it's scripted, but, uh, you know, you do think that um, both of these teams benefited a little bit from the strength or lack thereof of some of their opponents. Like, I think France would have struggled a little bit more against Portugal than they did against Morocco. And I think Argentina would have struggled much, much more against Brazil than they did Croatia. But that's sort of how the cookie crumbles. And it's not like there's any grand conspiracy here. You know, these teams won and lost uh, fair and square. So the bracket, uh, I think, has shaped up nicely because I do think that the best playing teams have made it to the final. Um, I did see some people or some person on Twitter complaining about how Argentina has had, like, the easiest path to the World Cup final ever. Uh, but I don't really think that, you know, beating the Netherlands and Croatia should be overlooked. Um, and yeah, I'm excited for this game. I think it's a, it's a sort of legacy building moment for every player involved, especially for those on the Argentina side. I don't know if you saw the footage, Caleb, of like the Argentina fans who went to Messi's grandma's house in Rosario and were like singing to her like La Abuela de Messi. <laughs> and it was, it was great. Um, it's, it was great. But um yeah, I mean, two very passionate soccer nations, obviously. And uh, I did see this crazy stat, too, where it was like, um, since 1950, 62 of the 64 World Cup final participants have been represented by the same seven countries. England, France, Germany, Spain, 
Argentina, Brazil, and the Netherlands. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, obviously Croatia was the other one. I forget who the the, the mystery one was, but um, <laughs> yeah, I thought that was very a very interesting stat as well. So uh, I guess, do you have a prediction for how this, this final matchup will play out? Uh, well, I guess maybe we should talk for a moment about, you know, the, the potential, uh, not injury, but like illness crisis that's striking the France camp because i think that has the potential to you know significantly tilt the scales potentially so as we mentioned you know several france players headlined by you know rabio and upamecano missed the semi-final against morocco but it sounds like several more of the players have sort of picked up some type of flu-like illness um including you know kingsley coman konate um who stepped in not too many of the attacking players i guess but their their defense is getting you know thinner and thinner i mean what do you make of of that situation and do you think this is a type of thing where like in the end you know three of those players will be perfectly fine by by sunday and it'll all kind of blow over like that yeah i do i see this as um i don't know about gamesmanship but i definitely like there's there's clearly some kind of virus going going around or some kind of something going around. yeah other teams have had yeah, other issues. teams have had it yeah. as well um, but at the same time, um, it's a world cup final. So like suck it up, take some emodium and like just cram flu like, game. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like take all of the Tylenol PM and then take a bunch of caffeine at the same time. Although not too much that you would get caught by water. Cause I, caffeine is actually a controlled substance, uh, according to some, uh, some agencies, but yeah, I think this is just like a very weird, um, a very weird subplot to this game and i'm sure it's it's happening to prevent the argentinian team or it's been leaked in part to prevent the argentinian team to get a better read on what lineup uh is going to be used by france but frankly i don't think it matters yeah we know Deschamps is going to play a 4-2-3-1 right i think that's the, the forwards big thing. are going to be yeah and frankly france's most dangerous players are their forwards and the lineup of Giroud, dembele Mbappe, that's not changing uh, with Griezmann dropping back into the, I guess you could call it a 10. Um, so I don't know. It's <laughs> it's an, it's interesting. I'm sure it's another fault of FIFA that obviously like you're playing with these air conditioners. I'm sure the ventilation is weird. Uh, like I'm sure there's weird stuff going on all around. Plus just like the global rise in in flu rates and the, the triple-demic, all the stuff that's going around right now. You know, you know, I do love that they've been blaming the English. Yeah, um, it's very um, it's, it's... <laughs> like the French have been putting out that they caught this illness from the English players, um, which, you know, whatever. No, I agree. I think it could be a bit of gamesmanship, although I'm sure several players are feeling, you know, fairly unwell. But you're right in that we know the exact tactical, you know, setup that France are going to go with. And so then I guess the question is, how do Argentina respond I agree with what you were saying, you know, a few minutes ago about, you know, I don't especially like a back four with a one-on-one of, you know, Mbappe versus Molina. And so I do actually think, um, even though for different reasons that Argentina might revert to um, the three at the back, um, you know, the last game was the first one where we saw really four center midfielders um, in sort of a bank. And I thought it got perhaps a little bit better out of, you know, Rodrigo DePaul, but I think, 
you know, McAllister is better more centrally than he is kind of in that left center midfield role. Um, and I also think what we've learned in this tournament is that while Argentina thought that they would go with more of a front three um, if Di Maria was fitter, um, in fact, you know, the Messi and Julian Alvarez one-two punch um, has proven sufficient um, to this point. And so I do think that we'll see, you know, a 3-5-2 um, with Messi kind of doing his own thing um, in this game. And then my prediction, you know, I, I am so, I'm so biased, you know, here, and I'm probably clouded by this a little bit, but I do just so deeply want Messi um, and Argentina, but, but mostly Messi, if I'm being honest, to win this World Cup. Um, I think unlike the 2018 World Cup, where France were, were frankly, you know, rampant and, and transcendent in terms of their football, this is a kind of um, effective, but not, I think, you know, not like an all-time France side. And so, well, I think there is the storyline about, you know, them repeating as champions, which as we know, um, is not something that that really gets done. And, you know, several of the previous champions have gone out in the group stage um, in the, you know, following tournament. So they've already beat that. I, I don't know whether like, I'm all that excited about the story. Like, oh, Mbappe wins like another World Cup and he's 23. So I, I think... I think the sort of, you know, arc of the moral universe favors Argentina. And I think they're certainly skilled enough um, to get it done on the field. So I'm going I'm going with Argentina, um, but I am obviously very wary of this French side. Yeah. And this is obviously a rematch of probably the best World Cup game of the last decade or so, at least in my opinion. Certainly one of the most entertaining games, which was really, I think, Mbappe's coming out party on the world stage um, as like a true superstar because he was only 19, or maybe he was 18, and when he scored those two goals uh, in that game. It was the game where Pavard scored his absolute banger. But this this Argentina team has changed a lot since then. Obviously, you know, Ever Benega, Javier Mascherano, Christian Pavone, uh, Enzo Perez, Enzo are, no Perez. are no longer in this team. Gabriel Mercado, even Franco Armani. Those are all sort of figures of the past at this point. So it's a rematch in spirit. And also, if you look at the players who started for France, Blaise Matuidi, Paul Pogba, N'Golo Conte, Samuel Mtiti, um, those are folks who will not be involved either. Uh, so I, I sort of think that you can't really use that game as any sort of blueprint uh, whatsoever. At the same time, I'm very hesitant to pick Argentina. Um, as, as we did last time, I'll, I'll give you a look at what the betting odds are because I think that's a good uh, a good indication of who is doing what. Uh, as of right now, to win the World Cup, it is exactly even. So they are there. It's even odds for who will win the World Cup right now. Um, they think that it is slightly more likely for. Uh, actually, no. It's it's completely even in in all sta- in all stances. So clearly, the betting markets are just as aligned as uh, as as I think we are here. Um, I, you know what? I'm going to say that Argentina also wins the World Cup, capping off Messi's career with an illustrious trophy. All of Argentina parties for two months straight. Uh, peace on earth is achieved. And, uh, you know, Mbappe can still win two more World Cups in his career because clearly France, like France's midfield is so young, even with the sort of phasing out of Pogba 
and Conte, who were both injured this time around, even though Benzema probably doesn't have another major tournament left in him. Uh, this The future of this team is so bright. Uh, it's kind of crazy how good France is. So, yeah, yeah I'd and say, I, 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 I want to wins two to one in extra time. Yeah, and I want to be clear, like, we're not just picking Argentina because I think it's, like, a better story. Um, I think that they are, you know, a very, very skilled team. They beat Croatia 3-0. Um, and I think the thing we talked about after the, the quarterfinals was, you know, can Argentina learn from, you know, the mistakes they've made in this tournament, whether it was against, you know, Saudi Arabia um, or whether it was, you know, against the Netherlands. And I think what we saw in the Croatia game is them really cleaning up their act. Um, and I'm not sure you can say like what lessons France have really learned um, in this World Cup. Um, and it's more just them kind of like, okay, like we're we're better than the other team. Um, and so I think there's good sporting reasons um, to believe in this Argentina team as well. Yeah, no, without a doubt. And uh, I think... You're you're right in saying I think France in in 2018 looked truly invincible, and I don't think that either of these teams have performed in a way that would suggest that they are not going to lose or that they're significantly ahead of one another. Um, I also think this is just a much more even matchup than France Croatia was in 2018. Um, if anything, people have been saying that this this France team feels kind of like you know the Madrid team post. Ronaldo in the sense that they are getting it done despite the fact that there are like clear deficiencies and issues in their team. Like they aren't playing a natural right back at right back. They don't have, you know, their first choice starting midfield, et cetera. Um, I guess, you know, the, the negative take from that, if you're an Argentina fan is, you know, we've seen what a Madrid team that, that lacks certain pieces, at least on paper, um, is able to achieve. And I think that's what makes this, you know, in the end, a very exciting tie, because you're right, both teams are are imperfect. Um, and there's a reason, I guess, the betting odds are even and in, in, in that they reflect um, that. Yeah, I agree. So Argentina 2-1 in extra time, they avenge the late, you know, winner they conceded back in 2014. Um, obviously, the last time Argentina was in a World Cup final, was uh has one of the big i think soccer injustices that rarely gets talked about where uh you know manuel neuer destroys gonzalo higuain outside of the box i think that if this happens in the var era neuer gets sent off and argentina play the majority of the game um you know up to uh, up up a man and probably end up winning obviously that didn't happen we know what happens Next, you know, Goetze scores an extra time and Germany wins the World Cup. Um, but, you know, for Argentina, they've come really, really close for a long time. Uh, I hope that this is the occasion that puts them over the top. Well said. Do we want to talk at all about the um, about the third place game? I mean, not really, because it's like, I, I mean, I don't really want to. I mean, if you want to, I'm happy to, but it's just like, as we talked about, I think on the last episode, you know, the teams rotate. They're also so, I think, you know, disengaged um, emotionally at that point that I'm not sure like how Kiel, we could really you, predict it. Can you it. tell me? Can you tell me 
who was the third place team in 2018? Uh, who was the third place team in 2018? Yeah. yeah, who was the third place team in 2018? Uh, well, it was Argentina versus who is the other team? <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs> I know the answer. I know the answer, but it's like I want to say that Argentina probably lost in the third place game. I think it was whatever the other team was. Argentina didn't make it. Remember, Argentina lost to France in the quarters. Oh, that was the quarters. I don't even know. I I have no clue. It was Belgium who beat, England, of course, um, yeah, who beat England. Um, That's what I'm saying. There's like no one remembers these things. I don't even remember who the semifinalists were from that last tournament. So. I mean, maybe that—that's an error in my soccer knowledge. Well, or we gap, knew that it was—we knew that it was—we knew that it was France, Croatia, and England. I just forgot—I just forgot that it was Belgium, um, who ended up, you know, winning there. Uh, I'm trying Dude, to. See. It, it could be the best game of soccer ever, and no one would care. Yeah, I think you're right. Right, uh, like it could be an all-time. It could be like four to three with like a last-minute, two last-minute goals, you know, to put one team ahead, and everyone would just shrug. Yeah, I mean to put that in perspective, Phil Jones was the starting center back for England Jesus. in that game. Uh, oh my God, this team was terrible. Hang on, I'm just going to read this to you real quick. Jordan Pickford, John Stones, Harry Maguire, Phil Jones, Danny Rose, Eric Dyer, Kieran Trippier, Fabian Delph, Ruben Loftus Cheek, and then Harry Kane and Raheem Sterling. Holy crap, that team is terrible. No, and they lost to a full strength Belgian team. Uh, okay. He started De Bruyne, Lukaku, Hazard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but like a, and a peak Belgium team. That was the best. Yeah, that was the best. Unfortunately, yeah. that was where Belgium's golden generation peaked. Them winning the third place game that neither of us even remembered um, occurred. Yes, so, you know it is what it is. But yes, Yikes. I will. Uh, I will not be. <laughs> I will not be watching this game tomorrow. Unfortunately, like I have, I have actual work to do um, at like noon. So maybe I'll throw it on, but. Uh, I hope Morocco wins just because it would be cool for them to set that high water mark for them and for, you know, an African team. But uh, yeah, I, I truly do not have enough of a tactical analysis, nor is there the appetite, nor does anyone care. Uh, so there we have it. Do you have um, a pick for the player of the tournament right now? Do you think it depends on who wins on Sunday? Yeah, I think it probably depends. I mean, I think as of now, it, it's probably messy, right? He leads goals and assist column. He's been, you know, amazing. He probably had the assist of the tournament so far, maybe with his, you know, deletion of Guardiol. Um, although maybe his pass to Molina um, against the Netherlands um, might actually be even better. He's already won, you know, best player in a World Cup before, um, even when losing. Um, I think he's on pace to win it again. But I think if, you know, the final becomes the Mbappe show and he scores, you know, twice um, and takes, you know, top score. He'll he'll probably uh, get the get the trophy. Yeah, I agree. I mean, or I I think Griezmann could easily have been uh player of the tournament had he just done Griezmann's like, a like the connoisseur's pick. Yeah. Yeah. Like if he had scored, he hasn't scored yet. I think he's done yeah. a lot, but I think he's missing He's missing some goals to sort of pad his resume, but he's definitely had a sneaky good campaign. Um, in yeah, this, it's also. In this it's, I was also just reflecting on how completely this performance is completely not replicable at all for Atleti. Although it wouldn't surprise me if Cholo tries to play him as a cam, but it's just not going to happen. 
Um, the day Cholo plays a four-two-three-one is the day Cholo leaves Real Madrid or Atlético Madrid. <laughs> um yeah i mean anyways yeah so so clearly you know mbappe will get it if france win messi will get it i mean messi should get it regardless i think but that would almost be that's not how this works yeah we know it's not how it works is it the Um, budweiser trophy of the tournament or is it only man of the match it probably is i mean honestly i think it probably is um who knows who knows who cares etc um all right so you know world cup final on sunday uh, you will be watching from, uh, I guess, a cabin in the woods. Yes, I'll be watching it from uh, Killington, Vermont. Interesting. Yeah. I will be watching it from Western. The, the center of the center of uh, soccer, soccer in the United world. States. Yes. Yeah, exactly. I'll be watching uh, in Amherst, Massachusetts. 10 a.m. is probably a bit too early to like enjoy a beverage or whatever. Um, that's what i mean it, it's kind of a tough time yeah for... fortunately we won't have this issue we won't have this issue for the next world cup um no we won't but we also won't have you know games in the middle of work days either so it's a oh, different dang <laughs> yeah you know what that was a very underrated part of this is how like you know you truly felt like you had action to, that would last all day because if you watch the 10 a.m game and then the 2 p.m game that basically got you through the that got you through more than half of your work day while watching soccer or while a game was going on so it's true but uh i think i think that's it for me yeah that's it for me as well we'll obviously have a world cup uh recap at some point um because you know right after the world cup ends on sunday we have you know efl cup action at midweek we have uh every league back in action um that doesn't normally take a christmas break so the prem basically in action on Boxing Day. And then after New Year's, we see the return, or right before New Year's, rather, we see the return of all other major leagues spare Germany. So we will, uh, we've will we got a lot to pick up on, and it's going to be weird to, go, to get back into the domestic soccer uh, scene. So with that in mind, I've been Nathan Strauss. Caleb Rhodes. Don't cry for me, Argentina. <laughs> and we will see you all next time.